The Charlotte Hornets continue their losing ways over the weekend. Miles Bridges returns, and Brandon Miller has his best game of his rookie season. We discuss it today, Locked on Hornets. You are Locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts. And that includes YouTube, where a surprisingly happy Doug Branson, at least seemingly surprisingly happy Doug Branson is dancing. But I need all the positivity that I can get. So we'll get to him in just a moment. First, I need to mention that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, there's the happy Doug Branson. You can check him out on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm Walker Mail. You can listen to me on Sports Radio 92.7 FM daily, 12 to 3 p.m. on Wes and Walker. All right, Doug, you want to tell me why you are seemingly happy, which is great. I don't want to kill it. But if it was based off of what the Charlotte Hornets did this weekend, if you had any care about what the Carolina Panthers did on Sunday, I would not imagine you'd be so happy. Oh, I feel great about Charlotte Hornets basketball right now because you have to remember, folks, it's darkest before the dawn, okay? You have to go all the way down sometimes before you can get back up again. And and I think the worst thing that could have happened to this team this season would be for them to, you know, compete for a play-in spot or something that would trick these new owners into thinking that the plan that we've all seen develop or really not develop over the past couple of years was the the right plan to continue working with. Instead, what we're seeing is it completely collapse. And, and hopefully that convinces this new ownership group that it's going to be time to take a completely new direction because I think that's what this franchise desperately needs uh, is, is a full rethinking of, of this entire project. And so this weekend, I think, was was one step in that direction. Yeah, I, I'm starting to click on the standings a little bit more to see how the Hornets, now that we're in the double-digit games, it doesn't matter as much with only five, six, seven, right? Now the Hornets are three and nine, mm-hmm. and the Hornets are only above two teams in the Eastern Conference. They're above the Detroit Pistons. They're above the Washington Wizards. Both teams in which they lost to, on their way to a three and nine record. So even the two teams below them, they lost one single game and they lost a couple of times over the weekend on Friday. They lost to Milwaukee. Then they lost to the Knicks on the second night of a back to back. There is one good thing, depending on how you view it. Maybe there are a couple good things, but Brandon Miller, we'll get to him in a moment. Miles Bridges returned though here. And we talked about that really all last week. We anticipated it. Steve Clifford told us that Miles Bridges was going to play a significant role right off of the bat. I thought maybe there was even a chance that he would start. He mm-hmm. does not, but he certainly plays starters minutes against the Bucks. He plays 33 minutes and then against the Knicks, he goes out there and he plays 32. So already you're playing him starters minutes and Miles on the court is going to help this team. And we know that already. He hit his only three against the Knicks, eight of 12 from the field, 19 points against New York. You go back to Friday, his debut for the first time in a while, six of 13, two of his four three-pointers he hit 
also ended up with 17 points, helping out in a couple of different areas, four assists for the Hornets, five rebounds, a couple steals in that game as well. So Miles Bridges helping this team as much as he possibly can. But this squad, Doug, it's not good enough right now. P.J. Washington was so bad this week, not hitting any shots. He gave us a goose egg in the second game. Gordon Hayward now, his production is falling a ton. So Miles comes back, and now P.J. and Gordon, their production just completely falls off of a cliff. And I will say we can start this off, too, if you want to. When Miles Bridges was introduced and when he did enter the game, there were more cheers than boos. In fact, a significant amount more cheers than boos. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on the introduction, the reaction to the introduction, as well as what Miles did on the court. Well, I thought it was I thought the introduction was handled well by the broadcast team who essentially said Miles Bridges is back. They didn't, you know, they didn't run any kind of featurettes or anything on Miles Bridges. I think everyone understood the awkwardness of yeah. the entire situation and I thought handled it as best as they could. In terms of the uh, arena's reaction, it doesn't surprise me. People pay money and they buy tickets to go to an arena and cheer. And I don't, I don't really expect a mob of, of human beings to really have the kind of discernment that, you know, I think people may have online or may have, you know, when talking one-on-one with someone. It's just not the same thing. So, like, that doesn't really, that reaction doesn't surprise me at all. And, and, and part of my reasoning why you wouldn't want to bring him him back in this situation is because you open yourself up as an organization to that image to everyone else it's embarrassing but but it's not surprising that that was the reaction but to the miles bridges on the court impact uh, it was immediate and i think you and i had legitimate questions about whether he would be able to immediately impact the game after not playing basketball for nearly a year and a half uh, I think that was a legitimate question, but he answered that. Uh, he, you know, fought for a defensive rebound that led to two free throws by LaMelo Ball. That was like the first play uh, back when he checked in. And then from there, it was uh, physical defensive play that I think forced Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis into some tough shots, forced the Knicks into some tough shots when he was one-on-one with guys. And then just his ability to get to the rim. I mean, that's something that not many – Hornets have I mean really the one guy that does have an ability to get to the rim at will is the guy that they're missing right now in Terry Rozier LaMelo Ball can get to the rim with certain matchups but as you and I have chronicled it's less like straight automatic because it's straight line speed and it's more craftiness with the ball and the length that he has that he can use to get to the rim but you see with miles it's just like look if he wants to get to the rim he's getting there and it's really just a matter of can he hit the layup or can he get fouled or not so you're you're right as far as the questions about him immediately picking up where he left off I I thought maybe some rust might be there and I understand it wasn't an injury this isn't a normal thing that people miss time with other people miss time because they're out for four weeks, two weeks, six weeks because of a lower or upper body injury. That was not the case with Miles. I still thought, yeah, that's a long time to miss basketball. What I did think, though, and what I still, you know, still am interested in seeing if this is if this plays out this way, I thought maybe adrenaline and maybe even we didn't we underestimated just some kind of freshness to Miles because he hadn't played in so long, not in a year and a half or not a year and a half, but a year and some change. So what would I wonder is if Miles does have this adrenaline, 
He's ready to go right off the rip. He's actually going to have a little bit more of his breath than everybody else in a second night of a back-to-back, and that's going to help him. Maybe Mm -hmm. you see like a five-game sample size of this. And Mm -hmm. then, Doug, I do wonder, once you start to get into the normal routine that is the NBA, do we see some kind of rust come back? Do we see some kind of drop-off? Because we know about the rookie wall. Rookies just aren't used to this kind of thing. And so you'll see it, what, 20 games, 40 games, whenever it may hit. Do you see a, I haven't played in 92 appearances wall? That's what I want to know if you have that with Miles and if that happens after a 10-game sample size, whatever. But you are right, man. Like, this is something we knew about, and this is something Steve Clifford knew about. Miles Bridges is, at worst, it doesn't even feel like he's the third most talented, unless you want to count Brandon and just put a whole bunch of stock into his future, right? Right now, Miles Bridges is the second-best player on this team outside of LaMelo. That's always been true. We knew that when he was going to come back. That's the reason he was going to get $30 million annually. He played like a guy that is going to help this team and was going to help this team last year. Steve Clifford knew it. That's why I played him over 60 minutes in two games played because Mm -hmm. there's nowhere else you can go to. Mitch Kupchak knew it because that's how they viewed their big offseason addition was that, all right, we're getting him on a cheap deal as well, getting him on the qualifying offer. And this is somebody that at basketball value is more than $8 million. So this is something that was going to help the Hornets, even in two bad losses, by the way, like they got beat down against Milwaukee. The the Knicks separated themselves, but at, you know, it's not miles on the court. We, we know that like it, it was a lot of other things going poorly, like PJ and Gordon, as I mentioned. No. Yeah. I mean, he fills in so many of the gaps that this team has had since he's been out. I mean, it's like, it's not surprising that he comes in and it's like, oh yeah, they have been missing a guy who can throw it to, and he just goes and gets you an ISO bucket. Like there, there just aren't many of those players on the roster. Oh yeah. He can like just one V one defense, like lock a guy up. Oh yeah. They've been missing that. I mean, there's just so many of these things and you can see already that like the, the timing and stuff be, and, and this is, shouldn't be surprising either because he has been practicing with the team, but in that second game against the Knicks, he catches those two lobs from LaMelo Ball. And so, like, that that attack that you remember, you know, from two seasons ago under Borrego, like, it's already starting to come back just even after two games. There's a little bit of, I think, of a timing or just a rhythm issue when he goes to the rim. Some of these uh, layups that he's attempting, they're just kind of dying on the rim. It's just odd how the ball is landing on the rim. And I think that's something that as he continues on, you know, over the next couple of weeks, he'll probably figure out as well. But look, I mean, this was a guy who was the leading scorer of the team. He was, you know, uh, good for good for 25 uh, on most nights. And, and I think he will quickly get back to that. Uh, the, the question I think that fans should have is like, why did the was it smart for the franchise to wait this long to add that back in and accumulate all of the losses and accumulate some of the bad habits that this team has formed since Miles Bridges went away. I think that's a legitimate question for Mitch Kupchak and the rest of this organization. Well, and continues to do. Miles Bridges helps this team. I, I don't know how but it many didn't get them a win. They didn't win either right. game. Right. That's the point. I don't know how many wins Miles Bridges' presence 
gets this squad because it's just been so bad and it has people down bad here in Charlotte because boy, the Carolina Panthers are not going to help them either. And it's not like that's going to get any better. Uh, There is one thing that separates the two squads. You told me about this before we hopped on the mic and we're going to talk about the two things that separate the squad in a positive way for the Hornets, by the way, let's get to it coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Let's talk about the rookie performance. Brandon Miller, he scored 29, his best game so far as an NBA player against the Knicks. We'll break that down in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's the easiest way and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you just watch the winnings roll on. On in with the basketball season here you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball with the specials league a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues for example you can go with the most popular player of each league lebron travis kelsey you can have them at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions maybe you want to mix in some touchdowns in there it's that easy and plus this is the best part about prize picks in my opinion They offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. It happens every weekend, especially in football, so that is a big deal. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com. Slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. More locked on Hornets ahead. It's pretty depressing right now for Charlotte sports. Um, if, if your life is directly tied to this, I don't know about how healthy that is. That's fine. Whatever. I'm, I'm not going to legislate how tied up I your life great. is in the sports fandom. What I will tell you is that it can't be going well, even if you're like a casual fan you don't have a lot to gloat about right now. The Panthers, it's it's. I I don't know if we're going to see somebody fired um, within the Carolina Panthers organization today. That might happen. With the Charlotte Hornets, yeah, this weekend had people calling for Steve Clifford's job pretty quickly. So, you know, we can talk about that maybe a little bit uh, later on in the week. There are more games to be had, including tonight against the Boston Celtics. You mentioned the one positive thing for the Hornets compared to the Carolina Panthers, it's been that the Hornets rookie has been performing well this year. The Panthers, not so much. And maybe for different reasons, but this is, you know, go check out Julian Council to discuss the whole Bryce Young thing. Mm -hmm. Brandon Miller had a great game against the Knicks. He scored 29 points, Doug. He hit five of his seven three-pointers attempted. He hurt. He got hurt and sprained his ankle in the first game they had against the Knicks, where uh-huh. it looked like he was about to have a great Madison Square Garden debut. Mm-hmm. What really he did was continue against the Knicks because he was so destined to have a good performance against them. An injury did not matter. The prize picks injury reboot policy came in and Brandon Miller was able to deliver the second time out. Uh, Doug, it comes down to the shot making for me, man. Like, and, and it's his ability to get outside shots. That's what it is for me. I, so using a screen, 
and taking the one dribble in, hitting the mid range. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's floating because there's not a lot of attention on him right now, but it's him floating, taking advantage of that, and then hitting wide open shots. It's him when there are, and he's still getting closely defended. I don't mean it like he's wide open on every shot. It's just he's taking advantage of whatever space he's given, right? So then when he's coming off of a screen too to get free, then there's just a little light of day for him to let that thing fly. And he did, and he would hit it. There was a tough shot made once he did get into uh, the mid range where it was kind of like a, an awkward shot, but he got hit and it still went in. It's the shot making really from the perimeter in the mid range, Doug, that continues to impress me. And that's how he's able to go off for 29 against New York. Well, that last attempt that you were talking about, the one where he got hit, it was kind of awkward, but he just throws the yeah. ball up and it goes in. I mean, those are the kind of shots that I feel like all-star players, all NBA players, that's the kinds of shots that go in where you go, wait a minute, that had no business. That basketball had no right to go in to that hoop, hmm. and it did. And and so those those are the kinds that give me the tingles with Brandon Miller. If he's going to start Ooh. hitting those kinds of shots – Then, yeah, I mean, but he was his ability to get to a spot that he liked and knock it down. I think that was the most encouraging thing that I saw because we've and not just off of off ball action, but when he had the ball in his hands, when he was controlling the possession, his ability to get to somewhere where he was comfortable and score it. And you're right. We've seen him do it in the mid range. But now in this game, he was starting to finally expand that game back to the three point line. And, you know, that that has big, huge positive impacts for the Charlotte Hornets going forward. They do have that's the most encouraging thing right now is that they do have pieces. And it, and honestly, like Brandon Miller's not the lone bright spot for the Charlotte Hornets. It is the bright spot relative to the Carolina Panthers that stands out the most. But you also have LaMelo Ball like fully back and and fully the offensive weapon. Uh, that we've come to know and love him as, and and he can't stop scoring 25 points and can't stop scoring 30-plus points, almost set a career high against the Bucs, and he had a big game against the Knicks as well. And, you know, I, I look, I get it. There are a lot of turnovers for LaMelo uh, and, you know, some maybe some a little bit of questionable play late. Obviously, um, his defense is always going to be a big question mark, especially when they the, the Hornets are addicted to giving up 30 points in a quarter. Walker, they played eight quarters over the weekend. Okay. Only in only two of those quarters did they hold teams to under 30 points. One in the Bucs game and one in the Knicks game. And in both of those quarters, those teams scored 28 points. They were two away. Yeah. (laughs) The Hornets were four points away from giving up 30 point quarters in eight consecutive quarters. Like this defense is bad, and LaMelo was part of that. But on the flip side of the coin, he is such a huge offensive weapon that, and especially on a team that is doesn't have a ton of help from Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington at this point. Mark Williams, I think, has been neutralized as an offensive piece right now because they they need him to focus so much on rim protection and rebounding. And I'm not sure he was a guy that you were ever going to run things through anyway. His big offensive nights just completely come from offensive rebounding. So. You know, Lamelo is such a big part of that that I don't, I can't sit here and like critique his defense all that much. I'm just not going to do it. All right. So two things. One, I want to fire this joke off. You said they were addicted to giving up 30 point quarters. I, I, like, what about scratch your neck like Tyrone Buggums? 
are, are you that addicted to, to giving up? That's what I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, I thought it was worth it. It the is, second it one is, is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, the, the bright spot, I was wondering if you were going to go with LaMelo and just how far in you were going to go with LaMelo. Because the timeline, I don't want to say it's polarizing. I'd still say people are are more in favor of watching LaMelo do what he does. But there are the plays that are head-scratching from LaMelo to make it to the point where there might be national pundits, there are local pundits that will discuss, hey, LaMelo continues to make all of these mistakes, and that's hurting the team when it comes to winning time, where, yes, it's it's hard to get angry at a 34-point performance, shooting 8 of 13 from the three-point line. But people will still point to the same stuff, whether it be actually driving to the rim, which has been a problem his career. He's gotten better at it in the little start to this season. But also it's the the shot selection uh, for a lot of people. It's the turnovers that you mentioned against the Knicks. He had those three turnovers against the Bucks. He only had two, so only five combined. But I know some stuff happened late. But yeah, the, the polarization here, Doug, Yeah, I guess you discussed it a little bit. Are you surprised to see that on your timeline? Uh, no, I mean, LaMelo is a polarizing player and he and he was, you know, during the lead up to that draft and he was a polarizing player to the teams that were looking to draft him. I think that's why he fell to the Charlotte Hornets. I'm sure there were people within the Warriors organization who were like, we cannot pass up on this guy. And then there was another group of people within the Warriors organization that were saying we cannot take this guy. And so mm. he fell to the Charlotte Hornets. But my my rebuttal to those folks is save that critique, save that energy, if you will, for when they are actually in winning time. They can't even get into winning time because Gordon Hayward is one of seven from the field for four points, and P.J. Washington is one of ten, and the one came in garbage time, and meanwhile, P.J. Washington has six turnovers, and that's a guy that they just gave a bag of cash to. So, like, you know, I'm just not – I'm sorry. I'm just not going to sit here. There will be time – you don't when have to be this, sorry. Okay. When this team is di- well, I will apologize. <laughs> I, I won't apologize. I will never apologize yeah, to say. for that. <laughs> don't apologize. And you know what? And you know what? After after everything that I saw this weekend, I do have an apology to make. Okay, are you ready Uh-oh. for this? Yep. I do have an roll. apology to make. I apologize for doubting Ish Smith because oh okay. my god, like Ish Smith, like I was down bad on Ish Smith, but he has played really well in that Knicks game. Three of six from the field, seven points. Uh, not turning the basketball over like he was in the first couple of games. He's hitting some shots, getting into his mid-range, bailing out possessions. He hit a couple of buzzer beaters. Ish Smith, boy, I'm sorry for doubting you, Ish. Yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah, well, look, you're the bigger man. You apologize, so it's all good. Uh, by the way, Lamelo had six turnovers against the Bucks. I was like, wait, that was that's. I had two because he only had two personal fouls. Well, PJ had six against. Out. Yeah, PJ had six against the Knicks. No, listen, the turnovers are a real issue. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not debating that. Like, but I'm just saying, let's have that discussion when he's when he has six turnovers and like three in the fourth quarter of a game where they've had a five point lead at some point instead mm-hmm. of these both of these games they've just gotten down and never been able to get back up and those that those issues run deeper than lamello ball well, yeah, and I was correcting myself, by the way. No, you're right to bring up PJ. As much as I like PJ, I, I had said LaMelo only had two against the Bucks. He had six, but the turnovers are a problem, especially like, and that's the thing with PJ, man. You know, w- with PJ, when you put up 10 shots and you miss 
almost all of them. Like you barely got out of that ball game with a bucket. And we we did see this. I remember the bad performance. I think it was either I think it was against Phoenix two years ago, maybe three years ago, where he went oh of whatever, and it was just this is you know as much as I value what PJ does, I still think it's a good contract for the Charlotte Hornets based on what they're doing in the future. The, the, the shooting confidence with PJ, it can be pretty apparent right away at the beginning of the game. Is he knocking him down? Great. And what was great about it, him at the first, at the beginning of the season was that he wasn't relying on his three point shot falling in order for mm-hmm. him to get those mm-hmm. buckets. That was phenomenal. And it looks sustainable, Doug. Like all their dunks, their open dunks, they're created for them. And now, like, this is the thing about Miles, right? Now well, it's a crowded okay. front court. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for saying that because I was going to say, yeah. you know, a lot of people are having the, the discussion right now of like, well, just as LaMelo Ball, you know, gets back into his groove, the two guys who were carrying the team while LaMelo was in a funk, Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington, now they're starting to fall off and you can't sync those two things right. together. And I'm like, this isn't about LaMelo Ball. It, people who have been watching long enough know what this discussion is going to turn into, which is can Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington coexist together? The answer, uh, up until Miles Bridges uh, you know, left the team, was no. was like a definitive no. Like You can't get those two guys to play well together. P.J. at the five, that was the way you did it. Right. But but like when, when you wanted to go with the traditional center with Mark Williams or whoever, right? I mean, we'll we'll see as we get more games under their belt there. But that was the way you did it. It was what it was you went small and then you had PJ five miles four and then you rode him that way. But if you wanted to go with a traditional center, then is that gonna happen? So yeah. <laughs> They're going to need everybody, right? They're going to need PJ, Gordon, LaMelo, Miles, Brandon Miller to have a shot at getting one win. Because, Doug, we're, I mean, this is a team right now that's playing as bad a brand of basketball as almost any other squad. Detroit and Washington in the Eastern Conference are the two teams you would point to, but they beat the Hornets. They, they got at least one win against the Hornets. That, that's how bad it's been to, to start the season. The Wizards in that first game just freaking destroyed them. All right, let's move on. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. The losses do continue to pile up. Maybe we have some big picture conversation about where the season is heading coming up in the next segment. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can score early and often this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, even more than that. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. One more segment to go. Locked on Horn. Doug, even without Miles Bridges, I had high enough hopes in the first 10 games. I, I thought there was a real shot that they could go six and four. Like seven and three is probably where I would have drawn the line. I, I, that's that's a little too good. But mm-hmm. without Miles Bridges, the easy strength of schedule. Again, I just mentioned a couple of the teams that they played. It That's what's so frustrating. This was a schedule that even without Miles, they could have taken advantage of. Yes, some of this is not their fault because of the injuries that they've suffered, but Steve Clifford wasn't giving them that excuse, especially after a Miami Heat loss. 
And they played bad enough in those games that we can apply context and say, okay, even with guys healthy, I'm not sure they would have squeaked that one out. So they fall to three and seven. Miles Bridges comes back. Now they're three and nine. This season feels over. It felt over even a couple of games ago. They're going to have a lot of ground to make up with injuries that they continue to experience constantly with now. I mean, there, there are some chemistry questions that they have to answer. Miles Bridge, uh, you know, Miles, PJ, Gordon, are they going to trade anybody? You remember Mark Williams is in the fold. He's regressed since the first you know few games that he's had. And now you're talking about a team that doesn't have a shot for the play in if they continue to play right now. And Steve Clifford is a guy that I don't know if is he, if he's going to last through the season with new ownership here and that they're not so different in Carolina than, than Carolina that way, where like oh, Steve Clifford making it through the season, there's a legitimate chance that he's gone. Same thing, even with Mitch Kupchak. So any big picture, uh, big picture answers here, Doug, as to what can happen for the Hornets that might make you feel better. I wish I had some answers that existed on this roster. I, I wish I could tell you, well, play this guy more, play this guy less, you know, change up the strategy yeah. here offensively, do this defensively. The problem is that if you look over the course, especially of the last five games, Steve Clifford's trying everything. He's throwing the kitchen sink out there. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day that Steve Clifford was running junk defenses for like vast majorities of the game. Oh, that, Cliff going to zone, baby. Do you like that? I do, yeah. Right. I mean, he's doing, and, and the rock, yeah. like if you look at the lineups, like he has tried every player combination uh, that, that I think he has available to him. And look, you can't use injuries as an excuse because really you've had your start, but most of your starting lineup, enough of your starting lineup healthy this season uh, to win, to win some basketball games, you know, yes, the competition has been a little tougher lately with these two games against the Knicks who are playing well and and the Bucks. But at the same time, they weren't it, it's not that they lost these two games, Walker. It's that they weren't really all that competitive because defensively they can't stop anyone. They just get constantly crushed on the ball. And by the way, part of that is Brandon Miller at the two doing what we thought Brandon Miller would do at the two, which is struggle defensively. He was great offensively, but when he had to guard Jalen Brunson in the pick and roll, I mean, it was just like it was easy for Jalen Brunson to get wherever he wanted. And when he had to guard Damian Lillard, I mean, those are two tough matchups. But when you play the two and you're playing alongside LaMelo, who they're always going to hide on defense, like you're good. That's the kind that's the level of player that you're going to have to guard. Brandon Miller will get to a point where he can at least slow those guys down. Maybe not shut them down because, you know, there's a certain level of player like Damian Lillard that you're just not going to shut down. Yeah. But you could slow him down more than you did. That's going to happen as he develops. But he's just not ready right now. But the Hornets are are forced to play him there. And so that's that's but that's a situation that this organization has put themselves into because the problems aren't the starting lineup. The problems are that they don't have any depth. When they break the lineup, they don't have enough shooting and they don't have enough defense in this lineup. There was a funny moment. I can't remember if it was in the Bucks in the Knicks game, but the uh, but Eric Collins uh, noted that the Charlotte Hornets right now are playing all five players on the floor right now are players that they've drafted 
Well, they were down 15 at that point. And it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the problem. They have they have drafted players and waited. It takes time for players develop, to develop. And then you don't know if they're going to quite develop how you want them to, just like James Booknight, just like Kai Jones. And so you put yourselves in this position and you haven't reloaded that depth. And that has to be hung on the necks of this organization. That's that's their burden to carry. Um, and, I mean, you look at teams like Houston right now. Houston is a legitimate team in the Western Conference when just a season ago they fired Steven Silas because they were miserable. That was a miserable team uh, helmed by all players that Houston had drafted. Then they go out in free agency and say, hey, let's get some legitimate level talent in here. And now all of a sudden they're a factor in the Western Conference. It can be that way for Charlotte too, but they have to want to, and they have to find people who are willing to use every tool available to them to improve this team. And that's ultimately where I think this thing ends up. It's got to be rethinking, clean house, figure it all out from there. So, and, and the idea of clean house is everybody really is on the table, except for LaMelo and Brandon. Even with Mark struggling, I don't think you're going to be happy to deal Mark Williams. You still want him on the, it would still take a decent amount, in my opinion, to get rid of him. But really, it's LaMelo and Brandon. And I guess Miles, just because, you know, Miles has right to first refusal for any trade. But then also, we're, of course, talking about Steve Clifford and Mitch Kupchak as the first two guys that we discuss. You know, it probably is going to be, there's going to be a different era here, Doug. And I, it's all about timing. Is it going to happen before the season ends or is it going to happen during the offseason? Because I think you and I both would agree. I it would it would take a pretty big turnaround from this team for us to feel like there's a, a legitimate shot. Both Mitch Kupchak and Steve Clifford return it. Part of it is this is just what happens when you have new ownership at the helm. And also when they're losing this badly, when you don't have a ton of hope for them to win some of these games that spells guys losing their jobs. And I, I love Steve Clifford as a guy, the, the guy I, and even as a coach, you're right. I don't know how much like, you put some on him, but he is trying everything and the, the talent just isn't there defensively. So it, this is just how it goes with NBA franchises. And really it's all a matter of time. In my opinion, I just don't know when it's going to happen, but I absolutely expect that it's going to happen. The team does not appear to be responding to Steve Clifford. Like the performances don't reflect a team that is, you know, ingesting the messages that we know Steve Clifford is trying to send and then, Mm -hmm. you know, outputting them in, in their performances, like defensively, the message is just not there. And I, and I think it's a, it's a mix of personnel and personality that I think are, are not really coming together here in a way that's causing them to just have one single quarter, one single quarter where they really stop a team uh, from doing whatever they want. It's, yeah, I think it is going to take, and you're right, it is timing. Like, when do you make all of those moves? But I think ultimately that's where we're heading. I would suggest doing it, I would suggest doing it sooner rather than later, exploring all of those options. And you're right, it is is a matter of putting everyone on the table except for LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller. But and you know, on the list of like franchise malpractices that have been committed over the seasons, I mean, just the fact that you only have two legitimate centers on your roster, neither of them can shoot, one of them gets hit in the head and has concussion symptoms and has to miss a game. And you just got lucky in that Miles Bridges returned when he did. 
and that you could even go small. But even then, in going small and playing him at four and PJ at five, you're at a disadvantage against two teams in the Bucks and the Knicks that have legitimate size. And yeah, so, that's true. That, you know, that I mean, up for that lineup, yeah. right? I mean, just th- losing one backup center, and we we screamed it from the rooftops in the off season. Hey, by the way, you don't have a legitimate backup point guard, and you really don't have an option if one of your centers sprains an ankle or has one single injury that what are you going to do bring mensa from greensboro that's not an answer this was never this was despite what you heard in, at media day and the preseason this was never a serious play-in and playoff team and it hasn't been for the past couple of seasons even going back to borrego this has not been a serious playoff team but that's what they've been trying to sell you on and 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 doing nothing in the meantime and it's a shame. It really is a shame that I feel like the past three or four years of Hornets basketball has been a gigantic waste of time and a gigantic waste of season ticket holder money. And I think the new owner should do something about it. Well, I'm just one thing that is also nice, though. Last thing is when James Najee comes over, that's going to be a 20 win minimum impact that he has. And so once he comes over, <laughs> I'm glad that, that will propel them in play in tournament time. Barcelona. Having that center rotation locked up and then defensively, you know, you turning into like a top five team from like 32. I don't think number one, I'm not ridiculous with what I'm asking from Najee. I just think 35 to like top, That's good. top five. Something That's like good. That. That's good. I've, mm-hmm. I was thinking over the weekend of doing some kind of tweets that was like a joke tweet of like, well, when LaMelo gets back, everything will be fine. Well, when Terry gets back and just scratch yeah. him out. Well, when Terry get well, when Miles Bridges gets back, everything will be fine. That's been the mentality of this team for going on three seasons now. Well, when this happens, everything will be fine. And then the thing happens and it's not fine. And so we'll add James <laughs> Najee to that yeah. list. When James Najee gets here, everything mm-hmm. will be fine. I can't wait. I, I don't I just want him to be I want him to get like I want him to get five fouls, five blocks, you know, twelve rebounds and O of four from the field. And it will be glorious and they will win twenty more games because of it. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for uh, for making us your first listen. We're free, we're available anywhere you get your pods. Come back with us tomorrow. We will recap the game they have tonight against the Boston Celtics. Another game at home. This one also going to be a tough one, but they have this opportunity against the Celtics at the Spectrum Center. Have a great rest of your day.